Take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down smooth. Hey! Spanning the continent to bring you the truth about cannabis and marijuana law reform. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. CannabisRadio.com presents The Russ Belleville Show The voice of the marijuana nation Hey, this is great, man Now, here's your host Radical Russ Belleville Alright, good day Tokers and Tokats and non-toking Lovers of Liberty, it is Monday February 15th, 2016 And it's got to be 420 Somewhere in the world Thanks for joining us live on the road. I am still in San Francisco, California, sitting in the restaurant of the huge world record-sized atrium of the uh, Hyatt Regency Hotel here in San Francisco, where the International Cannabis Business Conference just recently took place. And uh, I am still here waiting, awaiting a, 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 uh, an Embarcadero yellow line ride down to Concord. Going to be visiting with Wiz Coleco down there. I'm spending a couple of days here in the Bay Area. I'm going to make my way out to Oaksterdam, see if we can get some interviews and information from the world's leading cannabis training in university. But coming up on today's show, we're going to bring you some of my best highlights from the International Cannabis Business Conference. I did do some live shows this weekend, and if you got a chance to tune into those, you might have heard some of this. But um, we are going to be uh, talking with Tommy Chong. That's right. Tommy Chong, the legendary half of Cheech and Chong. We got to discuss some politics, though. It was very interesting discussing the Republicans, the Democrats, and the California legalization race. He's got a great take on Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders. That's coming up right after the Cannabis Radio News. Also on the show, George Zimmer from the Men's Warehouse. He is going to be... Uh, He was a part of the California legalization panel. Uh, He'll be discussing his thoughts on legalization and the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. We've also got a cannabis community chat with Fred Gardner, the uh, man behind O'Shaughnessy's, the Journal of Medical Cannabis. He'll tell you what's new with CBD and some other cannabinoids. We've also got uh, Coral Reefer, who stopped in for a stony Sunday Valentine's Day hello. So it was fun to talk to Coral. And then at the end of the show... We're going to wind things up with an activist agenda, which is uh, an interesting one because we were in California. We are in California discussing the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. And Chris Conrad, a longtime uh, marijuana reformer, court-certified expert, author of numerous books like Hemp Lifeline of the Future, he discussed the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. Of course, he's for the act. And then we were followed by Ed Rosenthal, the guru of ganja and the longtime grow book uh, impresario who is against the Adult Use of Marijuana Act. So very interesting to get to talk to the two of them. But before we get to all of that, we've got the Cannabis Radio News. And in the news today, we have got legal marijuana strip clubs in Colorado, Alaska giving guidance on their pot regulations. We've got Ohio still looking at medical marijuana and medical pot advocates opposing a plant fee in Rhode Island. All that coming up right after the break here on the Russ Belville Show. This is the Russ Belville Show on CannabisRadio.com. 
imagine life without taxes? Let New Era Certified Public Accountants, NewEraCPAs.com, handle your Cannabis 280E and tax strategy. Get your business prepared with New Era CPAs Cannabis Finance Boot Camp. NewEraCPAs.com, with years of experience in the industry, we are one of the nation's leading accounting firms for growers, dispensaries, and ancillary companies from Washington to California. NewEraCPAs.com. Normal stands for Responsible Adult Cannabis Use. If cannabis use is causing problems in your life, consider taking a break or seeking medical assistance. Consider ceasing cannabis use if you have a family history of mental illness. Don't drive or operate heavy machinery while impaired by cannabis use. Cannabis use is not without risks, even though the risks may be far less than those posed by legal drugs. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. It's time for the Cannabis Radio News. Covering the latest headlines in consumer cannabis, medical marijuana, and industrial hemp. Cannabis Radio News is now available exclusively at CannabisRadio.com. Now your marijuana headlines in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. This is Cannabis Radio News. This is your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, February 15, 2016. Colorado's newest marijuana shop has some wondering whether strippers and weed are too closely aligned. Marijuana strip clubs, wonderful or questionable? The Smoking Gun Apothecary is open next to Denver area's best-known strip club, Shotgun Willies, with just a parking lot between them. Both businesses have the same owner, who envisions pot shoppers getting discounted drinks at the strip club. The development raises ethical and potentially legal issues about the state's growing legal recreational pot industry, one of the first in the United States. Colorado bans the sale of pot and alcohol in the same location. It also bans public marijuana consumption, but it allows local governments to decide whether to allow an ordinance to allow shoppers to smoke. Oh, uh, co- uh, Smoking Gun is preparing a rooftop lounge in anticipation of that local ordinance. Owner Deborah Dunnifan says there's no reason to fear the strip club will break state law and allow her marijuana shop patrons to get high there. She's the only person in the country who owns both a legal marijuana shop and a strip club. Alaska marijuana regulators for pot provided guidance Thursday for yet-to-be-drafted rules to allow for people to use marijuana at certain stores. Staff to the Marijuana Control Board had hoped to provide language for an on-site consumption retail endorsement for the meeting, but given its workload, did not have time to complete a draft, Board Director Cynthia Franklin said. On February 24th, the Board is to begin accepting applications for marijuana business licenses, and Franklin said staff have been inundated with questions. A tentative timeline provided to the Board indicated the approval of the first cultivation and testing licenses could happen in June, but the Board will have to discuss the handling of retail and product manufacturing license applications, Franklin 
Franklin said. The issuance of licenses for those facilities assumes there is marijuana grown in a licensed cultivation facility available, she said. A crop like crop life is estimated at 90 days, she said. The board has passed regulations prohibiting retail stores and product manufacturing facilities from using or selling marijuana not grown in a licensed facility, she said. The solution could lie in guidance from the board on when applications for those licenses would be deemed complete and trigger the 90-day window for approval or denial, she said. Legislative leaders and statewide officers weighed in Thursday on how to address Ohio's medical marijuana issue, with most agreeing that the matter is not going away. State lawmakers have been examining how to address medical marijuana since Ohio voters overwhelmingly rejected a ballot initiative in November that sought to legalize pot for medical and recreational use. The measure would have established 10 sites with exclusive authority to grow marijuana and with profits going to the issue's deep-pocketed investors. While the initiative tanked, polls surrounding the ballot issue suggested Ohioans support medical marijuana. Speaking at a forum for journalists organized by the Associated Press, Attorney General Mike DeWine said he believed future action was up to the legislature while noting ongoing clinical trials studying medical marijuana. Auditor Dave Yost said he supports a tightly controlled medical marijuana law and did not think Ohio needed a double-blind study to make marijuana or cannabis products available to people suffering from severe medical conditions. Treasurer Josh Mandel cautioned that the devil is in the details of any proposal, while Secretary of State John Houston urged Ohio lawmakers to work with law enforcement and medical professionals to develop a focused approach. Medical marijuana advocates are opposing an annual fee for Rhode Island plant tax of $350 per plant Democratic Governor Gina Raimondo wants to impose on some growers as part of her budget plan. Some state lawmakers on Thursday introduced an alternative, legalize and tax recreational marijuana, instead of making patients pay more for the drug they use as medicine. Raimondo said she supports Rhode Island's decade-old medical marijuana program, but said her proposal to tax each state-approved marijuana plant would improve it. She says, quote, It is meant to bring order to the system that we currently have, which is fairly unregulated and disorderly and inconsistent. The proposal would raise an estimated $8 million for the state, some of which the governor said would be reinvested into a system to make it work better for hospice patients and others. Raimondo called the proposed fees fairly modest and not meant to be onerous. But patient and caregiver advocates disagree and held a press conference Thursday morning calling the proposal a sick tax that would hurt people who need the drug to manage pain. Patients who grow marijuana for themselves would pay a $150 annual fee for each plant, while registered caregivers and cultivators who grow it for multiple patients would pay $350 annually per plant. This has been your Cannabis Radio News for Monday, February 15th, 2016. I'm Russ Belleville. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. This is Cannabis Facts from Robert Platshorn's TheSilverTour.org. Supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. In 1937, the second most prescribed medicine, marijuana, was banned. It wasn't about marijuana. 
the paper, oil, and chemical industries lobbied to end hemp farming. No longer labor-intensive, an acre of hemp produced more quality paper than four acres of trees. Plastics and fibers could be produced from a plant. Hemp can even produce ten times the energy of today's ethanol. As marijuana prohibition ends, many states now allow farmers to again grow hemp. This was Cannabis Facts from the Silvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to process America's hemp crop at hempinc.com. The Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest-growing business association in the fastest-growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years, and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel 1 on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. The cannabis community is a diverse set of people from all walks of life. Conservative and liberal, black and white, straight and gay, rich and poor, and everyone in between. Learn more about the people we are freeing from adult cannabis prohibition in our Cannabis Community Chat. I had the opportunity to sit with Tommy Chong for an exclusive interview on MarijuanaPolitics.com. Here it is. Hey, everybody. Radical Russ here from the Russ Belville Show and with MarijuanaPolitics.com at the International Cannabis Business Conference in San Francisco, California. Joining me here is legendary cannabis icon Tommy Chong. Hello, Tommy. How are you? I'm fine, except I'm not an icon. I'm Chinese. (laughs) Okay, we got that straight. Uh, Like I said, I'm here with Marijuana Politics, and what a perfect year for marijuana and politics. We've got a presidential election. we got marijuana initiatives happening everywhere. Let's start with the presidential election, and since you're a comedian, let's start with the Republicans. What's your take on these Republicans and their stance on marijuana? I, I love what's happening to the Republicans. It's like watching karma in action, you know. You wondered, you know, all the crap that they pulled on Obama, and now it comes comes back to them in the form of Trump. (laughs) (laughs) What What do you think about Donald Trump running for president? And he's leading. I love Donald Trump, man. I mean, he he personifies the Republican Party. Everything they stand for, he talks about. You know, the bigotry, the the prejudice, the the uh, the what's, called, what's the against women? You know, the misogynist. The misogynist. I mean, he's everything. He's he got it all, and and he's and he's rich. Yeah. So he's a perfect uh, leader of the Republican Party. You know, he has uh, said that he's never uh, smoked pot. Do you think that might be a contributing factor? I believe him. I, I totally believe he's never smoked pot. You can tell by his hairdo. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, uh, on the Democratic side, it's been quite exciting because we've got Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders. Uh, what do you think about that race? We only got Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, we've had Hillary. <laughs> Hillary's done. You know? yeah. uh, we've had her for a lot of years. And, uh, and, you know, I mean, she's got her excuses together, you know, but Bernie's the man. Bernie's the man. I mean, you, Bernie is the anti-Trump. Think about it, you know? They're both Bronx from the Bronx, or like, like Trump is from New Jersey, which is lower Bronx, you know? Uh, uh, but Bernie 
he's he's great. He's he's that honest accountant that's coming in and going to straighten the government out by putting the money where it belongs, where it should go. And 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 like he says, he can't do it himself. But what he's been able to do, what I like about it, is that he's showing us what a democracy really is all about. It's about one man, one vote. And um, all he has to do is energize enough people to get out and vote, and we'll, we'll have our government back. At least, at least we'll have someone there that, that will be on our side, you know. Nice to think about that. And just north of this, I know you're Canadian, and uh, Justin Trudeau and the Liberal Party won up in Canada. Your thoughts about that? Again, you know. <laughs> I mean, Harper, uh, you know, the ex-prime uh, minister was uh, really George Bush light. You know, he was just a bad bad imitation of George Bush. Whatever the, the right wing, because they're all owned by oil. Bush is a owned by oil and and harper was owned by oil well trudeau comes in and he's like bernie he's starting right from scratch and let's see what we can do for the young people and uh and canada is is i love what he's doing to canada first of all he's getting us out of the war and uh when i say us because i'm still canadian and uh and as far as the legalization of pot goes everybody has to realize pot has always been Illegal uh, it has always been legal in a sense that the people that did it, we we, we know how to grow it, we know how to uh, sell it, and we and we know how to uh, what to do with the money, you know, and, and and thanks to the it being illegal all these years, you know, we've been able to cultivate the the, the plant to the point where you can grow it indoors and you can you can modify it to the point where you can grow whatever you want to grow with that plant. And then they're finding out that the whole plant itself is the best medicine. So it, it, it's, it's a gift that we're rediscovering, you know, and that's what Bernie is too. Bernie is like an old pot plant that's been around forever, and now his, his, his time has come. You know, uh, with the Bernie Sanders phenomenon, one thing that stands out is his remarkable support among young people, like 84-14 in the the New Hampshire primaries, I believe it was, among young people. But I've heard you speak in the past talking about one of the problems with our young people and their support of marijuana is they don't follow through and vote. So can you speak to that angle and and to the young people about their power as voters? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a problem with young people, period. You know, they they get high and they forget to do things, (laughs) you know. Did you take out the garbage? Oh, I forgot, man. You know? Yeah, but uh, but you know uh, it, it'll it'll come around because the reason young people love Bernie so much is that he cares about their future. You see, the Republicans they don't care about young people. They don't care about anybody's future. The trouble with the Republicans is that they're all addicted to making money. You know, there's an addiction. They're, they're hooked into it. It's not about having things or, or doing things. It's about being able to, like Donald Trump, the art of the deal. Yeah. See? It doesn't matter what the deal is as long as he wins. You know what I mean? Right. And, and that's what most Republicans are. It doesn't matter, you know, who gets hurt or who gets, uh, you know, who, who, who loses their, their, their life and anything as long as they win. You see? Whereas Bernie, 
It's not about winning. Bernie's old. Bernie just wants a nice, comfortable place to sit down and, you know, watch television and, and, and not have to worry about stuff, you know? And, and the way... I love what he says about, uh, you know, you know the, the black vote, you know? They're, they're all talking about, well, you know, Hillary, all the black, all the black people are, are going to vote for Hillary and, and, and Bernie, because he's a white Jew, no one's going to vote for him. Oh, socialist, you know? Well, the thing is, when you're young, you're colorblind, you know, both ways, you know. All, all you know is that you're young, and, and here's an old guy that, that tells, that's speaking the truth. The other, the other people, you know, they're, like, like Donald Trump, you know, he's got this weird uh, fear of anything that's not white, you know, <laughs> you know like Muslims or, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> I mean, and, and he, he really personifies the, the Republicans. Yeah. They're like that, you know. And, and if you're not white, and that's the trouble when you get rich like those guys do. You, you get these weird habits, you know. Like, uh, not, like when I was in prison, there was one, one guy. He was so uh, racist, racially scared of everybody that he wouldn't use the, the toilet because other black people had sat on that toilet. And so what he would do, he would do his business in the shower. Okay. Yeah. And it would upset the whole block, you know, the whole, the whole cell block. And finally, we, we, the, they, they did a sting and they found him, you know. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Because the guys, I remember waking up and I was there and I heard this, this little chant going, hey, we've, we found the shower shooter. <laughs> <laughs> and they literally marched this. And it was a white guy. It was a, you know, he looked like Woody Allen. But he, and I knew, and you know what his nickname was? Mr. Clean. Because <laughs> his job was cleaning up the, the toilet in the visiting room. Yeah. And that was his only job. But that's the way a lot of those rich people are. You know, they're so isolated. You know, when they buy these big homes, they get surrounded by, by hedges and fences and land. And it keeps knowledge from coming into them, you know. All they can, all they, uh, is what they're told. And, and people that always tell rich people what they want to hear. And so they don't really get the real stuff. And, and that's what, uh, you know, that's what George Bush did, you know. They created fear. And so once you get fear, now, now we gotta, we gotta kill the enemy that's after us. And now the war machine gets all the, the, all the money and all the attention. And, and the oil companies get richer because they can supply the war machine with oil. And we need to have oil in reserve, you know, all that stuff. Well, peacetime, we don't need oil. And now with electric cars, we don't need, and, and the solar, we don't, need, we don't need them anymore. And so they're running around, you know, in a panic, trying to figure out how they're going to keep that, that lifestyle that they got, which is actually... The worst thing for them, you know, that lifestyle, that isolation. That's when, when Bernie Madoff went to jail. That was the best thing that could happen to him because he was isolated. He was this lonely billionaire that was scared, you know, stealing from other people. Now he's in jail. His life is perfect. He gets up, he reads, he, he, he is like he's in a resort. And he doesn't have to deal with people, doesn't have to lie to anybody. He's around people that don't care if he's there or not. You know what I mean? And so, so rich people, those type of people should not be in charge of anything. <laughs> you know? 
you know. And yet they're in charge of just about everything. That's it. And to make more money. And what do they do with their money? You know, like, like Bernie and them, they're talking about how the middle class is disappearing here. Well, the reason is, is that the thanks to American businesses and oil companies, they're creating a, a middle class in other countries. That's where all the money goes. And it all goes to the billionaires in the other countries, too. And so it's, what we're seeing is, is a natural order of things. And, uh, and it's so good. And the other good news today, I heard, I hated to smile, you know, when anybody dies. But when Justice Scalia, when he announced that Justice Scalia died, a big grin. <laughs> My face just lit up. I said, all right. <laughs> You know, uh, here in California and in four other states, it's likely they'll be voting on statewide marijuana legalization. It's a big battle here in California. What's your take on the initiatives that are trying to qualify, and and what do you think is going to happen? I don't care. Personally, I don't care how they do it. They just got to decriminalize it. I don't care what they do. They can put up any hoops you want because no one's going to pay attention to them anyway, you know. Like, like, if you can't have a pot shop next to a school, so who, who cares, you know? You know, just put it wherever you... They'll find you. You know, we don't, we don't have to find customers. They'll find you. So whatever hoops the government wants to do, except excessive taxation, you know, that's not fair. You know, and that's, what, that's how they made it illegal before. They, they put stipulations like you needed a marijuana stamp tax uh, uh, stamp. And, and then they weren't issuing the stamps to anybody. And that's what they're trying to play that game with, with the re- regulations here. You know, but it doesn't matter what the re- regulations are. We've been selling and using and smoking pot for 80 years. And nothing has changed other than the fact that we can go on uh, national television and talk about it. You know, uh, in fact, when it was illegal, you could get pot in Malibu faster than you could get a pizza you pick up a phone and you order pot and you order pizza and i'll guarantee the pot gets there first you know thank god then you can eat the pizza you know (laughs) no problem that's right so uh it doesn't concern you thing when people complain it's only one ounce it's only six plants or any of those concerns don't bother you not at all who's going to (laughs) check who's going to go into oh you got more than an ounce you know it's, it's, it doesn't matter. Uh, except, you know, that's what I'm saying. Uh, the, the, the decriminalize it. You know, decriminalize it. At least get it so that the courts will obey the law themselves. Because we have, like, laws like jury nullification, you know, that could have got rid of a lot of the, the, the things. But a lot of courts, they say, oh, no, we can't use that. You know, uh, they cheat. They cheat and they lie. And that's why there's a lot of innocent people in jail right now, because, again, the prosecutors, they're in a win situation, not a justice situation. They just want to incarcerate whoever they can to get more, you know, points for themselves and to be racially, uh, uh, you know, motivated, too. You know, that's how they get the this is their thinking, you know, get the black people out of the way and then and and then uh, they won't be able to vote. Uh, you know, there are candidates like Barack Obama in there, but that, that's, that's a failed argument, too, you know. But as far as the legalization goes, they, all the government really has to do is decriminalize it. And I don't care if they schedule it, whatever they want to schedule it, it doesn't matter. 
Because if I got a headache or if I got something wrong, uh, you know, physically, like cancer, something like that, there, I'm going to find my pot. I don't care where I'm at. I'm going to find pot. And because it grows anywhere in the world, it's going to be available anywhere in the world. So that's, that's, what I, that's my take on it. Uh, Tommy Chong, you've done so much and you've traveled so many places all across this country and around the world. Uh, as you talk to people in some of these interior states where it's still heavily prohibited, uh, what, what do you give them for hope that they, they could see change in their lifetime? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the, the Black Lives Matter thing, you know. I mean, when, when you, 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 you get, we're, we're like deer in the forest during hunting season. <laughs> you know, if you're a pothead or you're a black person or if, you're, if you look different, you know, if you got too many tattoos or if you got something. And so when you go into areas you know, like uh, Iowa or, or Texas or certain areas like that, and you're not famous, you know, then you're a, you're a hunted animal. And so you got to be aware of, of where you're at at all times, and especially in America, you know. Just like they have speed traps, you know, when you're driving to Vegas or something, you know, they got areas where they know that they're going to make some income. And that's what pot was for, for many, many, many years, you know, is that, oh, we'll stop that car. If they got pot in there, we can, there's laws that allow us to take their car, put them in jail. And, and that's what third countries do. When, when they, like, like that kid that, uh, the hidden, you know, the, the young kid that, the, the, the rich kid, you know, that was the affluenza kid. Okay. He was in Mexico. And all of a sudden, oh, he's not coming back. He's going to stay in Mexico. But you know why he, was in Me- why he stayed in Mexico? So the Mexican lawyers can make as much money as they could off the kid. You see, it's illegal. It's, it's the game they play. Like, they do that in Indo- Indonesia, too. Like, if you break any law in Indonesia and you're rich, you could go to jail for the rest of your life. Because what happens, they put you in jail, then they phone the, then they let their, the parents and everybody else know. They actually, are, they're holding them hostage. And so as long as they got money, they will keep them in jail until, until they run out of money. And then they'll, they'll kick them out. Because they don't want to pay for the kid being in jail, but they make thousands of dollars. Because, you know, like if my kid went to jail and I, and I had to come up with $100,000 to get him out, I'd do it. You know, every, any parent would do it. And that's what they do with the pot laws, too, you know. It's the same thing. It's an excuse to, to hold you and to make money for the, uh, for the, st- for the state, you know, the, the, for forfeiture laws and that. And so it really is an illegal system that, that we're finally getting through. Because think about it. Pot was legal. Pot was, they, man- they mandated that it, you grow pot during the war. You know, Jack Herrera wrote it in his book, Emperor's No Clothes, you know. And so it, it was, people were, you know, they, they had a brain back then, you know. And they needed it. They needed the pot for the, the canvas, for canvas. And the way, the reason it's called canvas is it's a derivative of cannabis. So, so, so it was like, uh, it was a commodity. You didn't have to... You couldn't, like selling canvas, you, you didn't have to be a thousand feet from a school, you know, or, or a daycare center. It's all bull, bull crap, 
both, uh, and, and we're finally coming into an enlightened age where we see that. And thanks to the cell phone. Because the cell phone, anybody tells you anything, you, 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 while they're talking, you're going, oh, marijuana, oh, it's not a gateway drug. Oh, it cures uh, MS and cancer and, uh, and epilepsy. Oh, then why is it illegal? Oh, so white cops can make more, more money, you know, and, and pay for, the, you know, for, for their little alcohol habits. I uh, want to catch up with you on what's new in your life. Uh, I do a show on CannabisRadio.com. I know you're starting a show on CannabisRadio.com. Yeah. Tell us about your show. Well, I'm a stoner, so that show might happen or maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's sto- I'm on stoner time. <laughs> no, actually, my, my son's working on it. And, uh, and we did a talk show uh, with my son. Yeah, Paris, and uh, and that's being also being shopped around and being picked up, but uh, we're just we're just kind of kicking back, you know. We, we got our, our chunks choice uh, marijuana flower oil and everything going in all the states, and uh, we're, we're we're just you know plugging along and having a good time. Any other appearances or or film, television concerts you might be doing in the future? Well, Cheech and I are still out. You know, we, we, we still go out and we got a few gigs. I, I'm sort of like, uh, I'm getting in, into more of the marijuana uh, entrepreneur thing. You know, pretty soon I'll be wearing uh, an ascot. <laughs> a little ascot. <laughs> and I'll be uh, having other people do interviews for me. <laughs> Well, I'm glad I caught you in time. Thank you, Tommy Chong, for joining us with MarijuanaPolitics.com. And have yourself a great ICBC. It's been fun talking to you. You too. Thanks. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to get to speak with Tommy Chong here yesterday at the International Cannabis Business Conference. If you'd like to see video of that interview, you can find it up online at MarijuanaPolitics.com. I'll be publishing all sorts of interviews and information from the ICBC on MarijuanaPolitics.com as well as my SoundCloud page at SoundCloud.com slash Radical We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we've got Activist Agenda with George Zimmer from the Men's warehouse you're gonna love the way you look i guarantee it i'm radical russ live from san francisco we're back right after this this is the russ belleville show on cannabisradio.com The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larravee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone and Recording King banjos. The Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. Hey, this is Willie Nelson for Normal. I smoke pot and I like it a lot. I learned a long time ago that marijuana is a lot safer than alcohol. There's nothing wrong with the responsible use of marijuana by adults. It's time we stopped arresting and started respecting those who smoke marijuana responsibly. To learn what you can do to help, contact Normal at NORML.org or call toll free 888 67 Normal. 
Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. And now a highlight from the California Legalization Panel featuring the wealthy Men's Warehouse founder, George Zimmer. Speaker on the panel, uh, George Zimmer, who's going to come up. You know, we wouldn't have Prop uh, 215. We wouldn't have legalized medical marijuana without George Zimmer. He teaches business at Stanford. So every time he comes around, I open my notebook and start taking notes. So he really needs no introduction. But let's hear it for George Zimmer. Rest in peace, Justice Scalia. <laughs> You know, I think that uh, part of an adult responsible use is that we should probably learn not to speak ill of the dead, even when we're not good friends. Starting right now with my remarks. No time like the present. So it's been a long journey for people from my generation. This battle has been going on for at least 40 years actively in my adult lifetime. And as we heard from uh, uh, the former Surgeon General, it's been going on for over a century. Uh, so let's not blow it now, you know. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's put aside the differences, including the differences that I have and why I'm not actually on this panel, because... I haven't had the time to read the initiative and really stay uh, as current as I might have, but yet I, I recognize there's an opportunity here, and uh, I just want to make a couple of observations. Number one, uh, Sunshine, what I think you were speaking to is really what I think can become the most important part of legalizing marijuana in California, which is changing an entire civilization, ours here in California, from one of not trusting the police, the laws, and the criminal justice system to one where people grow up saying, you know, it makes sense. The whole thing makes sense, and where the police are no longer selectively prosecuting people of color, long-haired people, or just people they don't like. I mean, I think that that really is as important as the basic 
legalization issue, that it, it does suggest on a large scale that there may be an opportunity to get President Sanders or President Clinton to uh, understand that this is a lot bigger than just people who want to smoke pot. Um, the promise of marijuana going back to the 60s was it was going to be part of the evolution of society. What's happened in the 50 years is incredibly an increase in the economic inequality. I mean, if you had suggested that during the demonstrations in the 60s, people would have suggested you were smoking pot. <laughs> it was impossible that that could have unfolded, but yet that's exactly what has. So I just want to leave everybody with this idea that as we are on the threshold of legalizing uh, in the largest state in the United States, this can be an opportunity for marijuana to fulfill its true destiny, to soften society, to lower medical expenses, and to make it more likely to pass a joint rather than, or a pipe, rather than to yell or punch somebody in the face, which is what it was all about 50 years ago. I'm supporting this election, this, this uh, referendum. That's George Zimmer from the Men's Warehouse and an early supporter, uh, funder of Prop 215, speaking at the International Cannabis Business Conference here in San Francisco just uh, this weekend. We'll have that posted online on my SoundCloud page at soundcloud.com slash Radical Russ. A lot more highlights from the ICBC as we continue these this week of shows, so stay tuned all week, 3 p.m. Pacific time for the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. We'll bring you more of these excellent highlights. When we come back, we've got more highlights, including Fred Gardner from O'Shaughnessy's talking about medical cannabinoids right after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Russ Belville Show is proudly sponsored by the Marijuana Business Association. The MJBA, called by NBC News the Cannabis Chamber of Commerce, is the fastest growing business association in the fastest growing industry in America. I've been working with the MJBA for years and I personally invite you to join the MJBA. MJBA also publishes the popular MJ Headline News on Facebook and the MJNewsNetwork.com and Marijuana Channel One on YouTube. Visit MJBA.net for more details. Tokers, there's no good reason to get your dog stoned. While it might not harm them physically, imagine being a dog who already begs for treats all day, and then imagine that dog having the munchies. Not cool. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. 
providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Fuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Fuber way. The cannabis community is a diverse set of people from all walks of life. Conservative and liberal, black and white, straight and gay, rich and poor, and everyone in between. Learn more about the people we are freeing from adult cannabis prohibition in our cannabis community chat. We had a chance to sit down with Fred Gardner, the editor of O'Shaughnessy's Magazine at the ICBC. Welcome back to the International Cannabis Business Conference here at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco, California. Radical Russ here with the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. And joining me at the desk, we have the man behind O'Shaughnessy's, the Journal of Cannabis and Clinical Practice. It's Fred Gardner. Dr. Fred Gardner, how are you doing today, sir? Hi, Russ. I, I can hardly hear you. If I had earphones, would I hear better? You would hear better. We'll switch earphones and let you hear. Because it is kind of loud in here, isn't it? <laughs> There you go. I don't, I don't get to many of these business conferences. I know. We were just uh, just heard someone uh, telling you were talking about you're in the you're the movement in the middle of the industry. <laughs> yeah, it's the industry now, but I, I still think of it as the movement. So, for folks out there who are involved in this, they know O'Shaughnessy's. They know they're going to get the top quality information on medical cannabis. And the above the fold story right now deals with uh, rescheduling CBD. So tell people what's the latest that O'Shaughnessy's is talking about in this new uh, winter issue. Well, it's, it's, uh, there's a push on to legalize CBD as a single molecule or as a, uh, the foremost co- uh, molecule in GW's Epidiolex, the uh, GW pharmaceutical plant extract that's 99% CBD, is soon to be approved for treatment of uh, severe epileptic seizures in, in children. And when that happens, they can no longer say that there's no known medical use for marijuana. Wow. And this is... Uh just one of so many stories. Uh, let, let me f- finish that th- thought a little bit. When they no longer can say there's no medical use, they, they've only got harm. The only basis for the prohibition now is harm. And when you look at where the harm, oh, the alleged harm is, it's all uh, alleged by the psychiatrist. They claim there's a 9% addiction rate and brain damage to the developing brain. And both of these allegations are really... Um, Hard to hard to substantiate, and, and when it, and when it, if we had a movement along with the industry, somebody would be challenging that notion that marijuana is harmful. I think now the leaders of the industry are happy with the compromise. They're happy with the ban on for under twenty one year olds, and they're not going to be pushing. They're not going to be challenging the assertion that marijuana uh, is addictive and and harms the permanently harms the developing brain. It would seem to me in their best financial interest to make that challenge because that would open up so much more of the market for them. Do you think maybe the money will eventually make them come around? Bill Panzer, the um, normal lawyer, has has just brought over a, a laptop tablet with a headline that Justice Scalia has died. (laughs) 
Yes, Antonin Scalia, Supreme Court Justice, breaking the news here on the Russ Belleville Show, has passed away at the age of 79. Wow. That means Obama gets to pick a swing vote on the court. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a That's a going to deal. be great. I wish you would appoint Hillary Clinton. She'd be a wonderful justice. That would solve she, a lot of problems. Actually, her mother said it would, solve, it, would, it, would, it would be great. And her mother said one time that she thought Hillary might rise to be a Supreme Court justice. And it is actually the perfect role for her. She's relatively young. She could have 20 years of really powerful influence on this country. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting point, interesting point. Uh, people can pick up O'Shaughnessy's just about everywhere. Yeah, I should be shilling. Not, not quite. There, um, here in San Francisco, the, the, well, the, our main point of distribution is pro-cannabis doctor's offices. O'Shaughnessy's was really created by a doctor named Todd McAria. And Dr. McAria was the, was the advise, medical advisor to Dennis Perone in 1996 when we in California passed Proposition 215. And at the time, he was pretty much alone as the pro-cannabis doctor in California. But in the next couple of years, he recruited more, a few more doctors, summoned up their courage. And by 2000, he had, he had a little group together called the California Cannabis Research Medical Group. And he wanted a newspaper, a journal, because if you're establishing a, a medical specialty, you, you, for your, you need a journal where the specialists can publish their findings and observations. That's the way medicine and science is organized in this country. And I would have done started, I, I had experience as an editor at Scientific American and at UC Med Center doing the internal weekly. And I, I really wanted to do it, but the district attorney of San Francisco, Terrence Hallinan, offered me a job as his public relations officer, press secretary, public information officer. And I couldn't turn that down. So we, we put off O'Shaughnessy's till 2003, and we've been putting it out more or less annually ever since. I see. But if people listening to the show want to be able to get a hold of the magazine... They can go online to beyondthc.com. That's beyondthc.com. And we had, along the way, one of our big stories was CBD. We, I had covered the International Cannabinoid Research Society meeting in 1998 when Jeffrey Guy of GW Pharmaceuticals announced his plan to uh, develop a 50-50 CBD-THC mix. And I realized immediately that the, this held great promise. And I asked him and several other experts at that conference, would there be any CBD in, in cannabis in America? And everybody thought it had been bred out of the cannabis in America because that, when you shoot for psychoactivity, you're shooting for, you're breeding up THC and breeding down CBD. It's genetic either or. But I was confident that uh, some hippies in the hills would have saved some old seeds and somehow, sure enough, it turned out when we finally got analytic labs online to test our cannabis in 2008, thanks to Steve D'Angelo of Harborside Health Center. Um, sure enough, about one in 700 strains that got tested was high CBD. And at the time, the growers thought they had a loser. They said it was low THC. Sure. And, and I, I had a, an arrangement with the buyers at Harborside to notify me immediately when they saw one of these strains. And I, I live in, in the East Bay near Harborside. And I would rush over there and I would 
tell the growers this is something special, although there's no market for it. And we're talking 2009 now. Although there's no market for it today, there will be, and it's, it, it, or I think there will be, but in any case, it's great medicine. It's very important. It doesn't get you stoned, and for children and other people who don't want to get stoned, it's got great promise. And as luck would have it, or as the universe would have it, uh, the six or seven growers who, hit, who were lucky enough to have CBD strains all wanted to share it. Not one of them said, I'm going to save this. And they, I, I, we, I introduced them to one another. We formed Project CBD to share genetics and get the word out. And that's how we have Harlequin, thanks to Wade Laughter, and um, uh, Sour Two, thanks to um, Lawrence Ringo, and um, Jeremiah Spinard had Jamaican Lion, and uh, Mike Knudsen had Amrita. And these were the real pioneers of Project CBD, which we started back then. And what an amazing job, because now we've got 15 states in America that have these CBD oil laws, very conservative places that mm-hmm. at least they'd budge on that. Right. Well, in the new O'Shaughnessy's, we do have a kind of pro and con discussion about these CB, the so-called CBD-only laws. Um, some people, Paige Figgy, the mother of Charlotte, sure. famous Colorado uh, strain, says that's the best we can get in these states and it's better than nothing and it's really helping people and how can you oppose it and other people say well if they're going to give it that'll be the they'll say well the politicians will say well we've got we gave you cbd we gave you the real medical marijuana why are you asking for more it's a double-edged sword right a lot of controversy there you know uh the cbd thing is something that's become you know like you said bred out of the plants due to prohibition uh, are there other cannabinoids on the horizon we're looking at that if they make a comeback, there's going to be a lot of you know medical breakthroughs on this? Well, once again, we're looking to our GW Pharmaceuticals in England, and, and when I go to these conferences, we get reports on with preclinical studies which involve cell lines and animals. And yes, there are. there's great interest in, um, in THCV, which is um, maybe effective... Uh, for weight lo- maybe um, the, s- the symptoms of diabetes and, and metabolic syndrome might be countered by THCV. The, there's a story in O'Shaughnessy's about some has been some low levels th- like two percent, three percent THCV has been discovered in California, and the, once again the the uh, growers are connecting with each other, swapping genetics, and are going to try to breed it up. Excellent news. Uh, you can get it all, folks, in O'Shaughnessy is the Journal of Cannabis and Clinical Practice. Uh, BeyondTHC.com dot com is the place to go. Dr. Fred Gardner's got No, a- no, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on TV. Oh, okay. Fred Gardner, then. Uh, he's got a lot of stories here in this, as well as others from many. Dustin Sulak. Dustin Sulak wrote, wrote, we've got an introduction to the endocannabinoid system that's based on his presentation to uh, a, a CME course he taught for doctors. We have uh, Bonnie Goldstein writing about uh, the treatment of, of uh, pediatric epilepsy with uh, CBD cannabis. And the, cal- the doctors in California and Colorado who are seeing epilepsy patients are coming up with the same basic curve that GW Pharmaceuticals got in their hospital-based uh, investigational new drug studies, which is 
that for a very fortunate 5 or 10% of the patients, their seizures are eliminated. For another 5 10% at the other end of the curve, their s- symptoms are actually worsened or not helped at all. And then there's this bell curve in which it turns out that more than 50% get significant help from CBD, significant seizure relief. So much to learn, and it's just so many pages of this O'Shaughnessy. Yes, many- it's a seven. It's a 72 pages, all yes. content, no jive. It's definitely worth it. Thank you, Fred, for joining Thank us you, here Thank you, Russ. And have yourself a great conference. Thank you very much. All right, stay tuned, folks. We'll have more here from ICBC in San Francisco with CanvasRadio.com. I'm Radical Russ. We're back right after this. Great piece with Fred Gardner there. Make sure you check out O'Shaughnessy's magazine, the premier journal of clinical medical cannabis. We're going to take a break. We're live here in San Francisco at the Hyatt Regency, just uh, cleaning up after the International Cannabis Business Conference. Coming up next, we've got our activist agenda. We were joined by Coral Reefer on a Valentine's Stony Sunday. And then we'll wind up the show with our interview with Chris Conrad for the Adult Use of Marijuana Act in California and Ed Rosenthal against the Adult Use of Marijuana Act in California. You're listening to a special edition of the Russ Belville Show live on the road from San Francisco, California on CannabisRadio.com. We'll take a break and be right back after this. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. Hey everybody, it's Radical Russ here from 420 Radio inviting you to be like me and get your ink done at Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo Fort Worth's most female-friendly, clean, sterile, awesome tattoo shop. Thomas and his crew are true artists who can design you a custom piece or use a design you bring in. Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo also offers all styles of tattooing as well as piercings and all-around fun. In the DFW area, stop by Lucky Horseshoe Tattoo and tell them Radical Russ sent you. Trust me, it'll feel awesome. Georgia. Hi, this is Willie Nelson. Alcohol prohibition didn't work in the 1920s, and marijuana prohibition isn't working today. It's time we stopped arresting responsible marijuana smokers. It's the fair thing to do. For more information, contact Normal, the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. Call toll-free 888-67-NORML or visit their website at norml.org. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. All right, we got to visit with Coral Reefer on Valentine's Day for a very special Stony Sunday chat. 
Hey, we're here at the International Cannabis Business Conference, and it's a happy stony Sunday with the one and only Coral Reefer. Hi, Coral Reefer. Hi, happy Valentine's Day, stony Sunday. Oh, it is such an amazing day here at the conference. Uh, give us your take on it. It's awesome. There's a really good mix of people sharing their experience after years in the industry, and then there's a lot of new startups that I'm finding out about for the first time, so I'm, I'm into it. You know, uh, it's a big uh, year here in California with initiatives and all that going on. Uh, what do you think about the chances for legalizing this year? I think they're so good. We really need to encourage everyone to talk to their family members, talk to their church members, talk to their doctors, talk to everyone in your life that trusts you. And if you support cannabis and they trust you, we can get them to support cannabis too. So it won't even be a question, hopefully, when the vote comes around. Now, there's one thing we know for sure is that uh, your audience is definitely supportive of cannabis and making it more free. And the other thing we know statistically is that young people generally are supportive of the issue, but we always got a problem getting them out to vote. So what do we do about that? Sign up and vote. Uh, the first president I had the chance to vote for was Barack Obama, and it was really empowering to see him take office and then really motivating to be so disappointed by his actions with cannabis. So I think that having that sense of he was the first president I voted for, I felt invested and I felt compelled when his actions didn't match up with my my intents. I was more compelled to actually get involved in the in the movement. So I think you guys need to look at the 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 candidates really, really carefully and pick someone that you'd be proud to vote for and hopefully see those those dreams come true. Do you have any particular Stony Sunday Coral Reefer endorsements for president? Always cannabis first. Cannabis first, which means you'll pick? Whoever's supporting cannabis in a way that makes sense to me. Yeah, I try not to let gender or race really like alter my decisions. It's really about how they've made their decisions leading up to this moment and this um, run for office. So I'm really just looking at someone that I'd be really proud to vote for. All right. So what's happening for you personally as far as, uh, you know, the, the gigs? Are you traveling a lot? What's next for you? I am having so much fun adding glass to my world. So I've been melting glass a whole bunch, making fish and working with different artists, which is really cool because I get to collaborate. And on video and blogs, I'm not very collaborative. So it's like a whole new thing for me. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting what you do and, and how you have such interaction with your fans. You know, uh, it, you've really kind of created this niche, this this art form. Uh, how has this been going for you lately? And, and what do you think? What do you think is next? Where do you think it evolves next? I am really, really proud to have been a cannabis blogger for um, over five years now. And there are so many more people popping up in the cannabis industry space and in the blogosphere, if that's still a word. Um, what I really, really hope to see is more due diligence and integrity with who we're promoting and who we're talking about. I am really disappointed by seeing some up-and-coming bloggers or some very popular bloggers choosing companies that use imported Chinese glass that don't care about the quality, don't care about the American jobs they're taking away from, or the integrity of design that they're stealing from. And I really, I, I'm excited that there are so many YouTube voices and there are so many weed tubers and that type of thing, but I really, really hope that due diligence and integrity come forward and we can support those voices that are really focusing on that. Yeah, I, I'm glad you uh, mentioned that about the glass and now that you're getting into glass and all of that, because, uh, you know, for a lot of us, it's just a functional thing, got to have a glass pipe, but there's a lot of uh, labor, there's a lot of artistry, a lot of talent that's gone into this. What was the hardest thing for you as you were learning how to do glass that you didn't, like as a consumer, you'd never thought of? Like, what was that? The waste of materials when you're learning. You make maybe a hundred before you make one you want to sell. Oh, yeah. So when a knockoff company takes your design and makes it right away, they didn't make those hundred prototypes to fail. So sometimes people don't understand that factor into the price, and I definitely didn't. You know, I thought you made one, that's the price it should be at. But no, a lot of times the price reflects all of that 
troubleshooting and um, just beginning process to really get to the design. So cutting that short and just taking the knockoff is a disservice to everyone because then we're not going to see new designs. And I think for me personally, the, like, the hardest thing has just been trying to like incorporate new ideas while still doing stuff I'm excited about and I want to do. I have a tendency to just do the same thing over and over and over. So I kind of have to like remind myself every now and then, like try a new technique, collaborate with someone different, do something you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. How do we get uh, more awareness of the need to get uh, locally blown glass and to support artisans? I mean, if the store is not telling you or putting a sign up or labeling it in any way, is this just something we're just going to have to ask them to do, basically? Yeah, yeah, you just ask, and you can tell when they're lying, because if they ask, if they say it's a local artist, but they don't know the name, they're lying or they're bad at their job, because they want to buy more <laughs> glass from that local artist, they're going to know the artist's name, they're going to be able to get in contact with them to do another order, and maybe they're just the wrong employee to talk to, speak to a manager talk to someone else but it's not just glass specific shopping locally is something that I want to encourage people to do in all parts of their lives I'm not perfect um, I buy things that are definitely made in China but having the priority to like shop at used stores buy locally made foods it's it sounds hippy dippy and it sounds like it's gonna be so difficult but it's really these little choices that are so easy yeah like, is that an iPhone it is. Yeah, see, they're China. It is China. And my skirt's from Australia. It's true. But it's very and valentine this is Chinese hemp. That's a great skirt. Very Valentine. <laughs> little look, little, little candy hearts. I like candy hearts. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a perfect stony Sunday Valentine's gift to get to see you today. Thanks for stopping by the desk. Thank we really you. appreciate it. We're going to have you on a full stony Sunday someday when yeah. you're not already working a full day at an event, which I, I don't know if that's I happening. don't know. I'm, I'm in. We'll uh, make it happen. I'm, I'm here this weekend, Seattle next weekend, Fort Worth the next weekend. Every weekend, it's, it's getting so busy. Seattle Isn't it amazing weekend? how? Yeah, Canacon's next weekend. Oh yeah, up in Seattle, and, and uh, uh, cannabisradio.com is hosting the VIP party. I so I know a, a guy. Bovida is going to be at Canacon, and Bovida is awesome. Yeah. Now I want to go to Canacon. You're going to be there. I'll be there. Good to know. But we're going to get out of Seattle. Let's go to Seattle, people. What the hell? That'd be hey. awesome. I wish we could smoke in here, but it's been pretty good otherwise. But, but right out there, we I'm can. doing it. I'm going to do it. All right. We're going to, we, we have a very important safety <laughs> meeting we have to get to, folks. Uh, it's, it's union. Union local 420. Very important. <laughs> Thank what you time is it, me. anyway? Uh, it's 420. It's 420 on the East Coast. We missed it, so we got to get to that. That's what it is. That's what it is. I'm Radical Russ with the Russ Belleville Show, CannabisRadio.com. Happy Stony Sunday. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Extra Day. Hug. Stay high. All right. We're back with more after this. Always fun talking with Coral Reefer at these events on the West Coast. You can find her online. She's one of the most popular video bloggers out there with her Stony Sunday line of T-shirts and other stuff. Check her out. Coral Reefer. When we come back, we're going to wind the show up with an activist agenda. We've got Chris Conrad supporting the Adult Use of Marijuana Act in California and Ed Rosenthal opposing the Adult Use of Marijuana Act in California. Both of them coming up next in the Activist Agenda. This is the Russ Belleville Show on CannabisRadio.com. The Fingerboard Extension has fretted instruments to enhance your creativity. It has new and used guitars and banjos from beginning to high class. The Fingerboard Extension has National Resophonic, Hassan Dalton, Larrabee, Heritage and Recording King guitars, and Mike Ramsey, Wildwood, Gold Tone, and Recording King banjos. 
Fingerboard Extension also has drum stuff, used gear, and parts. Stop by the Fingerboard Extension, downtown Corvallis, Oregon at 120 Northwest 2nd, or check out the inventory on the web at fingerboardextension.com and reverb.com. It's time for Cannabis Facts about teen drug use from Robert Platchorn's TheSilverTour.org. This message is supported by our donors and Hemp, Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at HempInc.com. A recent survey by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control indicates that in states that have legalized medical marijuana, the rate of marijuana consumption among high school students has not increased. In fact, in legal states like Colorado, teen use has actually decreased significantly. It's simply no longer a big deal for teenagers in legal states. This was Cannabis Facts from thesilvertour.org, an educational nonprofit supported by our donors and Hemp Inc., a public company poised to lead America's hemp revolution at hempinc.com. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Activism begins with ACT. The Rush Belleville Show features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists working for an end to prohibition in today's activist agenda. And now a special discussion of California's Adult Use of Marijuana Act with Chris Conrad and Ed Rosenthal. I do the same thing all the time. <laughs> for you. Is this like eat the mic? Yep. Welcome back to the International Cannabis Business Conference here at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. I'm Radical Russ with CannabisRadio.com and the Russ Belleville Show. And joining me at the desk, we have Chris Conrad from The Leaf Online and so much more. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, Russ. Great to see you at this ICBC conference. It's quite an event. Oh, this is the second time I've been here, and they do it right here. This yeah, no, I mean, they really bring in the ethics as well as the finances. And I think that's, uh, I, you know, not that other ones don't, but I think that there's a special uh, focus here to bring those two issues together. The, the, the moral conscience of the movement as well as the business potential. Exactly. And that was one of the, the presentations yesterday that was so exciting is uh, the people talking about legalization in California. You were there on that panel with Amanda Ryman and others. How did the panel go? How do you, do you think people's minds were changed any? Uh, I really do think people's minds have changed there, um, not so much by what the uh, initiative has in it, but by the fact that most people don't know what the initiative has in it. And once they understand that it's not just uh, a, a thin veneer, but it's actually a very thorough, and, and it's like a long game approach towards a legalization that uh, it's hard for some activists to understand. They feel like, I want an initiative that gives me everything I want yesterday, and if it's not that, I don't want it. Uh, but when it really, uh, if you look at our history, 
uh, that doesn't seem to happen very often. And so the idea that they've created through Alma a program that uh, gives people a way forward, it, it gives us a good starting point, it, it decriminalizes and legalizes a lot of things that people commonly do, uh, but mainly it brings that conscious conscience into this that we were talking about this that this particular event really focuses on, which is that um, it has provisions that specifically specifically deal with the social justice of, of communities that have been uh, damaged by the war, drug war and how they need to be, uh, they need something back for that. And communities like inner city communities where uh, they don't have the economic opportunities, we have to make sure that those the economic potential of marijuana legalization benefits those communities as well by banning redlining. Those are things that I, I don't think a lot of people really necessarily expect in an initiative, but uh, I, I see this as really a, a hugely a progressive uh, approach that is largely unappreciated by people who haven't read through it. It's 62 pages. You know, yeah. I understand why people don't read it, but... Um, once you do read it, you, you find that, sure, there are things I don't I disagree with, but there's so much good in there that it's really uh, a profound uh, phenomenon that a millionaire would come in and write something which is, doesn't really benefit him. It benefits yeah. the rest of society. Uh, I, you know, I, I think that, uh, yeah, and I know that it's not just John Parker who, who wrote that or anything like right. that. Certainly not. And he's not the only funder. But his prominent role in that, I, I think it, uh, I wish we had more wealthy individuals who took the opportunity to do the kind of changes he's doing as opposed to like what the Koch brothers are doing. Sure. <laughs> We're talking about the Adult Use of Marijuana Act that is uh, gathering signatures and everybody is uh, strongly believing it's going to make the ballot here in California. And, you know, people bring up all sorts of things they don't like about it. Uh, one plant, or one ounce, six plants isn't enough. Or, uh, interestingly, I thought how they uh, took some took some criticism and made some amendments to, to what their original language was, like the uh, the restrictions on the large grows, for example. Uh, so as they've been developing this, it seems like they've been listening to us at some level, do you think? I think what you just said is extremely important, Russ. Uh, a lot of people have the impression that this was just handed down from on high or something, but in fact of the matter, if you look at it, they, they really took a lot of things into account. They took the federal coal memo, they put the they took into account the, what we saw, the failures, I would say, of Washington State. Uh, they didn't have a per se, uh, well, actually, the original language did include it, and this is what you're talking about, that the language as originally written um, has some big problems in it, but they vetted it through the movement, and and I think and one of the things that a lot of people don't really understand is that a, a lot of people who could have had an influence on it chose instead to attack it and to not provide feedback, but just to say, we don't like it. Uh, some of us took a different approach. We said, there's a word here that could be changed, if you could change this part, and and, and we didn't get everything we wanted. I, I wanted four ounces, uh, you know. Yeah. I wanted more than six plants, uh, yeah. and they didn't take that. But nonetheless, when the dry, instead of DUI, they changed it to impaired driving, and better yet, they set it up a research to look not only at marijuana impairment, but all impairment in driving, which... You know, it was even beyond what I had hoped for them to do. Yeah. Uh, and likewise, they added the section about parental rights for medical marijuana patients. Mm -hmm. That wasn't in the original version. Um, there was one that was kind of strange, though, which was that at one point they had in the language in there that in order for a local community to ban commercial activity in marijuana, they had to take a, a vote of the citizens. And when I saw that, I thought, well, that's really good because it's going to be harder to get those the citizens to vote against it. But then... Um, come to think about it, uh, they came to the conclusion that the problem is that we would have the vote of the citizens to overturn it later. And in a panic, citizens just might vote it 
a ban in, and then how do we get rid of it? So in a panic, if the city council votes it in, we can replace the city council. <laughs> we yeah. can get another vote and get it changed. And so even though my initial reaction to that was, oh, I didn't like that, once you look at it and you see that the way it's really set forward is to give us ways forward, which is namely we can go through the bureaucracy that's going to regulate it. We can go back to the legislature and get only positive changes. You know, the legislature can't make more criminality. They can only make it less. We can go through the courts for the things that we can't get there. But the local communities is really where the, the rubber is going to hit the road on this. And so it's really throwing down the gauntlets to the activists that we will set up a, a statewide, I'm speaking as if I had to do it, but the initiative says more or less yeah. that it will create a statewide uh, framework, but it's up to we the people within our communities to make sure that it's implemented the way that we want it there and that, that the law is going to reflect the values of the community, which includes us. Yeah. You know, a lot of times uh, people who are in the cannabis movement, they feel so isolated and they feel so uh, objectified and like they're victims of this whole thing. Uh, we forget our own power. And so I think that this, what they're doing here gives us, like I say, at least four different ways forward and gives us an opportunity to claim the power because we'll be legal, <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, trying to reclaim your power when you're seen as a criminal and then treated like a criminal and sent to jail is much more difficult than when they say, well, uh, and let me just give you the one example I think is most prominent. People say, well, why does it say medical marijuana patients have parental rights, but it doesn't say everybody else can? And I, the reason is because, number one, uh, medical marijuana patients are the ones who are losing their kids right now. In yeah. California. Yeah. And reason number two is that it's a much easier argument to say that medical marijuana patients are legal and they have parental rights. I am legal, so I have parental rights, than to say, well, nobody has parental rights, but I should have it. Right. You know? Get, get some for somebody. Yeah. And then it's easier to, exactly. to work for. And, and so a lot of people who are disappointed by the idea that this doesn't hand us everything at once, you know, I... I I can understand why they're why they feel that way, but that doesn't make this into uh, anything bad at all. I think it's just going to give us, like I said, a way forward, and and we know what we have to do now. We have to mobilize in the communities. That's what we have to do. Looking forward with this Adult Use of Marijuana Act, uh, how does it address an issue that's become important in Colorado, Oregon, and Washington, and that is a public use venue, some place for people to use cannabis in a public setting because they can't use it in their hotel or their apartment or their Section 8 housing or whatever? Oh, well, that, that I think is one of the greatest best aspects of this uh, initiative is that it does allow for on-site consumption. Uh, it doesn't allow it to be uh, someplace where they're also selling alcohol. Uh, so, and I don't think that it can be sold in some place that sells tobacco either, but I'm not exactly sure about that. But I, I know that you can't have a license for on-site consumption of marijuana and on-site alcohol consumption. Um, but I think it's the most important thing yet because when people come from other parts of the country or around the world to come to California, we don't want that situation where now they have a hotel that they can't smoke in. They go on the street and there's nowhere to smoke. They're getting ticketed. Uh, they're getting fined for the hotel room. They, there's nowhere to go to enjoy their cannabis. This gives us the opportunity, or, or even like then they have to go to their car and be smoking marijuana right. driving around their rental car. You know, these, these are things we would rather avoid. And this initiative allows it. And, and it for us in California, we have had the culture of the uh, expos where we have on-site consumption for medical marijuana. It goes back to Prop 215, yeah. uh, which is 20 years almost this year. And so when we... Uh the, the fact that this will allow us to continue to have emerald cups, it's going to allow high times cannabis cups to come to California, it's going to allow these localities, of course it's not going to be every locality, it's going to be the ones that are welcoming us, but those are the ones who are going to get the tax benefit from it as well, sure. so we think it's going to increase the number of communities that are interested in that, and most importantly, once the stigma of illegality is gone, the motive 
to block these kind of events that's going to be gone as well. So I, I think this is like one of the most important things in the initiative is the on-site consumption option. We're going to go into a lot of detail on the Adult Use of Marijuana Act on next Friday's show, the 19th. We're going to have Chris on and uh, Mickey as well to discuss this uh, in in an extended interview. We'll also have a, a call-in question and answer section. So if you got more questions, you want to know more about this California initiative, the Adult Use of Marijuana Act, tune in next Friday. I want to make sure before we let you go to uh, find out what's new for you, Chris <laughs> Conrad, and what you're up to and what... Uh, new projects that you've got and so forth. <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm kind of in the pregnancy stage here, uh, <laughs> which means I have a book that's just coming out next month, but it hasn't quite made it out yet. Although I was lucky enough to get some copies for uh, people to take a look at it here. I don't know if I got one into your hands or anything, yeah. uh, but it's called The Newbie's Guide to Cannabis in the Industry. And it's, uh, it's reflective of the fact that there's a lot of people who are interested in cannabis or interested in getting the industry that really, when they plunge in there, a lot of times they're taken aback like somebody who wants to try marijuana the first time they do it if they do a dab that might be a little unsettling to them <laughs> yeah. as it were and, and without going into why uh, and likewise people who want to get into the industry might be uh, shocked to realize that not only are there complications, but just all sorts of great innovations out there that they can tap into. And so this book gives people uh, not only about if you want to try marijuana, uh, what you're going to experience, or if you want to get the business, what you're going to experience, but for people who've actually been in the businesses and have used it for a long time, it'll explain what the uh, new understandings are and what the new uh, pathways forward and the obstacles that confront cannabis businesses that are uniquely different from other businesses. So it's called The Newbie's Guide uh, to Cannabis and the Industry. And uh, you know, Russ, in reality, though, I've always been writing Newbie's Guide. If you might remember, in 1993, well, 1990, I helped with The Emperor Wears No Clothes, right. obviously, which was a total introduction. And then in 93, I wrote Hemp Lifeline to the Future, which was to help people understand how they could get into the hemp industry. And then I wrote Hemp for Help uh, right after Prop 215. So it introduced people to the medical use of marijuana. And they always have uh, how you can make products, you know, how to, how to use medical marijuana. But it also was one of the first books to really talk about CBD. Uh, and so, you know, I'm kind of used to the idea of introducing information, but the audience is so much bigger right now yes. uh, that it's really exciting. Yeah, I am looking forward to it. Can't wait to get my coffee, and I'm looking forward to our Friday discussion. We're going to get real deep into legalization here in California. Thanks, Chris. Well, thanks, Radical Russ, and thanks for being a, a voice of sanity. <laughs> the most radical and reasonable person uh, in the movement, as someone once told me. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. Uh, stay tuned. We're going to have more from the International Cannabis Business Conference when we come back live from San Francisco. Welcome back to the International Cannabis Business Conference Day 2. It's Sunday. We are on the lunch break, and I happened upon the guru of ganja himself. Ed Rosenthal is at the desk with us. Welcome back, Ed. Thank you. Happy to be with you, Russ. And happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I was uh, busted on St. Valentine's really? Day. Yeah. I hadn't even... Yeah, it was a greeting from the government. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, and we're paying attention to you. Oh, my goodness. Uh, of course, everybody knows you from uh, the Grow books and, and all of these beautiful picture books that you put out. Uh, what's the latest with Ed Rosenthal we need to know about? I'm working on a number of inventions and doing some basic research into cultivation. And I've set up a research company just to uh, do certain specific research on terpenes. That, I think, is so important now because... You know, under prohibition, it was all about growing for THC. How high would you get? And now, I think what is going to differentiate these people is how successfully they can recreate consistent terpene profiles. Is that the direction you're looking at? Uh, I'm looking at the properties that different terpenes have. 
And so we're working on a more basic research there. Okay, that's interesting, very interesting. And you're here at the uh, International Cannabis Business Conference. Anything uh, in particular you're showing here that uh, people need to know about? Well, I have books for sale, and I'm showing people a new compost in humus that I've discovered that uh, is, has some unusual properties, and its uh, derivation is unusual because because, for instance, humus has been aged for about 100 years, 50 to 100 years. Wow. So it's a very fine quality. Everybody, everybody gets so much information uh, from you, and we're looking forward to this new research on the terpenes. Uh, on the other uh, front, you know, politically speaking, so much happening here in California with the new MAMERSA regulations and now the upcoming possible initiative fights. What is your thoughts on those things? I don't think Brown's legislation will ever go into effect. I think there's going to be a lot of challenges to it in court, and I think it's patently illegal and unconstitutional. And as far as uh, the Alma, you know, uh, Sean Parker's uh, initiative, uh, the I call it the Ego Initiative, and uh, this fellow uh, has has absolutely no grounding in the marijuana industry and the initiative uh, proves that and I don't the unfortunate thing about it is it has so many flaws in it it's going to be torn apart in the way that other initiatives are it could be just on a few of the items even if it were a good initiative it's it's fatally flawed i'm not scared that it will come uh, that that initiative will ever come into effect it, it will never pass the california voters it will be destroyed what are what are some of these fatal flaws that are, are dooming the criminal penalties in in respect to criminal to, to penalties that's it. That's enough. Uh, addition of criminal penalties? No, I mean criminal penalties. People shouldn't go to jail for marijuana. It's as simple as that. Well, they go to jail now. Yes, and they shouldn't go to jail. But under the Parker Initiative, they'll continue going to jail. More people? More people. Because then the cops will say, well, this is the initiative, and we're just following the initiative. It's a terrible initiative. And, you know, it was done without the help of... Uh, uh, of the community at all. It's one person's vision or his lawyer's vision or whatever. And it, and it's unfortunate, but it's worse in Washington. It's worse than 503. Uh, 502 in Washington. 502. Right, right. Yeah, it's and worse. And that's very that. controversial. I was yeah. in Oregon at the time and, and had a lot of uh, there, friends in Washington. Yeah. And they're still dealing with the fallout of a lot of uh, right. and there. And uh, so this initiative should... Unfortunately, there's it's up to 25 percent of the uh, got it has 25 percent of the signatures that it needs now, but I don't think it will pass muster in November. Wow! All right. So, assuming that happens and it doesn't pass, then California is stuck where they are now with these new medical marijuana regulations that you are also saying aren't likely to pass muster or go into effect. So, where do we go from here in California? I think that uh, there's a possibility of, a, of another initiative happening. Uh, 
uh, Dave Hodges has an initiative. For I think 2016. Yeah, I think that that has a slim chance of getting enough signatures. Um, but I, I'm willing to stick it out for another two years like this. I mean, uh, Cal, I think that one of the things uh, of not having um, a lot of regulations is that the market has been able to develop in a natural way that it hasn't been able to develop in uh, states such as Washington or Oregon where they have specific, or Colorado. For instance, in Colorado, they at one point they said 70% of the sales had to be produced right. by the by the retail company and could you imagine if you told the grocery store that 70% of their sales ha- they'd have to produce 70% of the sales yeah. it's ridiculous then another then Washington said the, the, the stores can't produce it right and I'm opposed to both of those things I think that it should be a free market where quality is a paramount thing people's health matters that people get that the stores are regulated, the quality is, when I say quality, the health qualities are regulated, and let, and let the market develop in a natural way. And they're going to be all different models. I don't think that the state should impose a model such as um, uh, Brown, Governor Brown in uh, California. He, he's trying to impose a model where the, such as the wine model where there's a distributor between the producer and the and the uh, retailer and there's no reason to have that there's, there's just no reason for any of these uh, these uh, artificial structures and I'd much rather see that my as long as things are on the up and up I'd just rather see it develop the way it will develop and uh, and uh, you know there is going to be segmentation and there are going to be some people or some organizations that are more successful and you know a lot of people in California want to see it as an artisanal product where people are limited to the number the the amount that could be grown or some or the, the size of the firm or something like that and that's a terrible idea and the reason for that there are two reasons why I say it is one is at some point California will have to open up and then all these firms that have have been allowed to grow to gigantic size like in, in uh, Oregon and uh, Colorado Michigan they'll just take over the California market they'll buy all these artisanal companies and California will be far when I say foreign owned will be owned by uh, uh, companies outside of, from outside the state and the second reason is this you know there was a time in American industry where companies did incredible research General Electric Bell Labs many sure. other companies had basic research and we happen to have that in the marijuana industry right now where companies are doing basic research and product and in what medicines work and things like that and in order to do that you have to have a certain surplus of money beyond your earning a living beyond paying all the wages beyond the owner's profit but 
to develop a, have a certain amount of money to develop to devote to research and so you can only do that when you reach a certain critical size so if you have all artisanal companies that are just doing this fine products but not having enough money to do research that does not help the consumer hmm. very interesting we're speaking with Ed Rosenthal the guru of ganja and Looking forward for California, you're, you're presenting this vision of a free market and a vision where the Governor Brown laws don't take effect. There's also that uh, Lieutenant Governor Newsom, the Blue Ribbon Panel. Is there room? What do you think of that? Is that anything that we need to guide ourselves with? Uh, uh, I, I think his Blue Ribbon Panel should all be given blue medals and sent on their way. And we have to start over. You know, everybody was consulted in that except the stakeholders. The cops. The cops have nothing to do with this. You know, cops are only supposed to enforce the law. They're not supposed to make the law. They're not supposed to be involved with policy. And I have forced police, the police off panels in Oakland where I say, just why are you here? And just saying that to them and trying for them to give a reason why they should be on the panel, they've left. And they should not be on the panel. And judges shouldn't be on the panel. And the whole criminal justice system should just not be on those panels because they, don't, they should not be making policy. So the stakeholders here are the people who use it, some of the producers, and uh, psychologists and uh, sociologists, other, other people who are dealing with any outcome from, from that, and also the agriculture department and so on. None of those people were consulted on uh, Gavin Newsom's panel. And he's a nice guy. He should just start over. All right. Ed Rosenthal, thank you for joining us here uh, on the show. And everybody knows Ed. Give them all the websites and contact. They oh, need. they can just look up on Google and they'll yeah. find it. Ed Rosenthal. Yeah, yeah I have a lot. I do, do, would say I have a lot on YouTube. And there are two things that I'd like people to see. Do you know an ancestor of mine 30,000 years ago discovered marijuana? Okay. And I don't know how they got the video of this, <laughs> but there's an actual video of Amazing. it. Amazing. And you can just go on YouTube and go Ed Rosenthal, Early Harvest, and you can see the actual discovery of marijuana for 30, the first time 30,000 years ago. Amazing that was, technology. I don't know how it was videoed. And the guy looks amazing. I mean, you could see it was a direct ancestor. Of, of course. Mine. <laughs> and the other thing that I like people to look at is uh, in 2013, I was in Ann Arbor at the Ann Arbor... Uh, the Hash Bash? Yeah, at the Hash Bash, and I gave a speech, and you can just look that up, okay. and I think that people will get an understanding of what this is about. All right. Thanks, Ed, for stopping by. Thank uh, you. Radical Russ here at the International Cannabis Business Conference. We'll be back right after this. Thank you for having me. You betcha. All right. That concludes our show for today, our look back at the International Cannabis Business Conference. We will have more for you from the ICBC on the rest of our shows coming up this week here on CannabisRadio.com. For everybody here... 
at the uh, Hyatt Regency, I suppose. And for CannabisRadio.com, I'm Radical Russ. We'll talk to you again tomorrow live in San Francisco, making our way to Seattle this coming weekend for the Canacon. And until next time, take care of each other, tokers. We love the This is the Russ Belleville Show. The Russ Belleville Show is blogging and podcasting daily at RadicalRuss.com. You take a seed, you plant you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. It goes down smooth.